Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, we'll talk about quotation marks and about the different spellings of the word dialogue. Before we do the piece about quotation marks, I want to note that the author wrote it using the word quote for quotation. If I were writing it myself, I'd use quotation, but quote has been used to mean quotation for more than a hundred years. And the American Heritage Dictionary Usage Note says that in 2009, 80% of their usage panel accepted that use. So I decided not to change it. But I know some of you will notice, and I wanted to give you a heads up. Here we go. The practice of using punctuation to indicate verbatim speech seems to have had its origin in the diply, a carrot-like ancient Greek marking used to call attention to part of a text. By the late 15th century, the diply had been replaced by a pair of inverted commas placed in the left margins to indicate quotations. And by the end of the 18th century, the inverted commas were being used to open and close quoted material. Single and double quotes battled it out for a time, with double quotes emerging as the norm by the 19th century for quoted speech and single quotes for reported speech within a quote. Quote marks were also used for the titles of articles and other short works. By the 20th century, editorial conventions for quoting were stable, and quotation marks had been extended to new uses, such as signaling technical terms, identifying cited words, and to mean so-called, this last a favorite of Henry James. It's easy to imagine how such new uses emerged. Quotes for technical terms signal to the reader that the author is introducing a concept unfamiliar to the reader— The quotes say, I'm calling attention to this. The writer usually omits the quotes after the first mention, where hopefully the term is defined, even if just by context. Quotes for technical terms are one form of noting unfamiliar usage. Another is citing a word as a word. The philosopher's use-mention distinction, as in, quote, Amy, unquote, has three letters. The function is citation, so quotes are again a natural convention. This use of quotes seems to have originated, or at least been popularized, by Quine's 1940 book, Mathematical Logic, insofar as a book on mathematical logic can popularize anything. The practice of using quote marks around unfamiliar terms or words used as words has been somewhat supplanted by italicization in part because software has democratized font choice. Scare quotes are used when writers wish to distance themselves from the words they use. They're the written equivalent of the gestural air quotes. Such quotes are a typographical shudder or sneer, and shudder quotes and sneer quotes are alternate terms for them and more descriptive as well. When used to indicate a term that a writer would normally avoid, the quotes can be a type of shudder. The, quote, gig, unquote, economy has arrived in full force, or at least that's what people call it. When used to introduce a characterization a writer disagrees with, the quotes sneer. Management has hired several, quote, consultants, unquote, to develop the new business plan, several so-called consultants. 
Sometimes the difference is tough to discern as when someone writes, my child was, quote, held back, unquote, in school. Is that a shudder or a sneer? And when someone writes, the plan to, quote, deconstruct, unquote, the curriculum met with resistance, is that a technical term or a sneer? Without intonation to help, scare-quoted words can be frustratingly vague. Even more frustrating are quotes used for emphasis. We find this in folk signage, such as, quote, fresh, unquote, seafood. Please keep all, quote, valuables, unquote, with you. Use, quote, caution, unquote, on stairs. And, quote, gluten-free, quote, section. Such unnecessary quotes, there are blogs dedicated to them, are widely derided, and rightly so. How might the use have arisen? Not from irony or sneering. It's conceivable that quotes used for emphasis are an extension of the use of quotes for technical terms. People might have understood quotes around technical terms as meaning that all important words should be in quotes. But there are other possible sources for this practice as well. Advertising may shed light on the rise of such unnecessary quotation marks in two ways. Some businesses have used quotation marks around descriptive words to distinguish them for trademark and branding purposes. A writer for the English Language and Usage Stack Exchange points out that the standard sanitary manufacturing company advertised and branded its bathroom fixtures as, quote, the American standard, unquote. And the Chelsea Milling Company produces, quote, jiffy, unquote, muffin mixes. Perhaps quotes as trade decoration were transferred to quotes as emphasis. A librarian writing for other stream media has also suggested unnecessary quotation marks seem particularly prevalent in classic Yellow Pages advertising, where ad templates provided to businesses by telephone books used quotes around phrases like where to find them and where to call. Yellow Page style may have legitimized and extended quotes as a stylistic option in other advertising. That last instance of the word legitimized should probably have quotes around it. Shudder. That segment was written by Edwin L. Battistella, who teaches linguistics and writing at Southern Oregon University in Ashland, where he served as a dean and as interim provost. He's the author of Do You Make These Mistakes in English? Bad Language and The Logic of Markedness. This piece originally appeared in the OUP blog and is included here with permission. Last week, when I was writing about whether you should use italics or quotation marks for internal dialogue, I was reminded that people sometimes aren't sure how to spell the word dialogue. Is it D-I-A-L-O-G-U-E or simply D-I-A-L-O-G? I see both, and I even had a writer alternate between the two in a draft I recently received. I had to fix that. So here's the deal. The shorter spelling started spiking in the early 1980s, especially in American English, and in many cases it's used when people are writing about computers. For example, when people are writing about a dialog box where you input text. That's often spelled D-I-A-L-O-G. It seems that the computing use, the shorter spelling, again, especially in American English, has started drifting over into the older, those two people are talking meaning. 
Nevertheless, the AP Stylebook recommends the longer dialogue spelling, D-I-A-L-O-G-U-E, even when you're writing about a dialogue box. The Chicago Manual of Style doesn't specifically recommend one spelling over the other, and it uses the longer spelling throughout its own book. But in an FAQ entry, it says that the shorter spelling is fine when you're writing about a dialogue box. I favor Chicago's approach in this case. So my recommendation is to use the longer spelling when you're writing about conversations in a novel or play and use the shorter spelling in the phrase dialogue box, since that's what seems to be common in the computer industry. Finally, I have a familect story from Tim Chase from Texas. I usually like to use your voicemails because I like to bring in your voices, but he tweeted this at me and it was too good not to share, so I'll just read it for you. He posted this after hearing the flat cheese story a couple of weeks ago. He said, My little brother, then kindergarten age, asked for door cheese, baffling us all. It turned out he thought the individually wrapped slices opened like a door, and it became a household term. Thanks, Tim. I love related stories like that. And here's a call with a story from Sue. Hi, Mignon. This is Sue, and I'm calling from Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania. I wanted to tell you my family story, which involves a cat that we had when my kids were growing up. Lewis was a very smart and innovative cat. He could overcome any secure door or latch that was presented to him. To keep him out of places he shouldn't be, we would install additional latches, which became known as Louis latches. To this day, we still use the term Louis latches to mean any additional means to secure doors or drawers. For instance, to keep toddlers out of your cupboards in the kitchen. Hope you have a great day, and thanks for a great podcast. Thanks, Sue. If you want to call and leave a voicemail with a story of a word your family and only your family uses, a word from your family dialect, the number is 83321-4GIRL. And that number is also in my email newsletter, which you can sign up for at quickanddirtytips.com. I'm Mignon Fogarty. Thanks to my producer, Nathan Sams. And that's all. Thanks for listening. Listener.